Welcome back to another live episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guy live B2B jam session, a special evening episode. Show some love if you're tuning in from Oakland, California, or you just got done with working and you're about to go back home or you're already at home working. You know, I want to show love to you if you are tuning in from Oakland, California. And once again, I want to say rest in peace to the late, great Chadwick Boseman. We love that guy. We respect that guy. The Black Panther will forever be a legendary movie and a legendary icon throughout our lives. And more importantly, make sure that you're staying well-rested, peaceful, and thoughtful of others during these times as violence and more protests continue to happen throughout America. Please make sure you're taking care of you and yours, but more importantly, showing empathy for anyone on any side, no matter what they believe in, with that or the color of their skin. With that said, want to show love to the amazing guest I'm about to have on today. He's a friend of mine, and he also kind of refers to himself as Chocolate Thunder. <laughs> you may know him or you may not. This might be the first time you meet him. Mr. Michael Margolis is the CEO of Story, a strategic messaging firm that specializes in disruption storied has built an amazing niche reputation you're really working at the highest level of organizations with leaders and helping them rethink their narrative and how they really go to market in terms of disrupting and really changing the landscape of the industry that they're in so taking it from complexity to really simplifying their message he's worked with companies like walmart visa uber facebook google greenpeace you name it they've done it they really, really help you turn the impossible to the inevitable. That's what Story does. And he's a master at storytelling. He's a master at narrative. And I'm really excited to talk to him a little bit about, you know, what's going on right now in terms of how can leaders and how can organizations really change the narrative of how they show up to their people as well as to their customers in this current climate? And what can we do? What are some frameworks? What are some tips that we can do to better tell better stories <laughs> um, about our products, but not only about our products, but also maybe our lives as well. But that said, want to show some love to Mr. Chocolate Thunder. What's happening, Tim? It's good to see you, bud. What's, what's up, buddy? How are you doing, man? Good. I just I just grabbed some chocolate. So um, <laughs> wait, let's get yeah. Some people have a second fridge for wine. I have a second fridge for chocolate. <laughs> three, three, in fact. So I have, I have a chocolate fridge at home. I, I used to have one in the office. I don't have an office anymore. And then I do have a third chocolate fridge at an undisclosed warehouse location. So, you know, chocolate, chocolate is the secret uh, yeah. to great storytelling. So, so tell us a little bit about when did your chocolate infatuations started, man? Oh, I mean. This is my birthright, Tim. I don't know if you understand. I grew up in, in Switzerland as a kid. My yeah. father worked for Nestle, right? He ran a chocolate factory. Wow. So I kind of had a Willy Wonka childhood. And uh, then in my 20s, I gave up on a lot of other extracurricular substances. And chocolate became my vice of choice. Wow. <laughs> so it's funny because I remember the first time you and I ever hung out, you yeah. literally gave me a walkthrough on just an <laughs> chocolate, which was amazing. I still remember you to this day. Yeah, I walk around and I meet strangers. I'm like, hey, you want some chocolate? They're like, <laughs> what? I'm like, no, 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 no. This, is, this is special chocolate. So yeah, I, I traffic in, in rare, exotic, single origin craft chocolate that's like rare vintage wines with unique flavor flavor notes and tasting profiles that take you on a journey. Yeah, I love yeah. it, man. Love for you to share a little bit, Mr. Chocolate Thunder. Yeah. Hey, my man. Share a little bit about you know, some of the work that you and the story team have yeah. done. You know, what inspired your story, my friend? <sighs> well... Uh, what inspired it is I used to suck at storytelling. Yeah. Like, like you, I've always been good with words and ideas, mm. but I found that when I was in some of the highest stakes moments of my life, if I was in front of a less than friendly audience, mm. all my Joe would out the window. Untied and twisted. I would just like if I didn't feel the receptive field, if people were closed, 
right? Or like, man, if I'm buying this, or you know, just sometimes you you meet with someone and you just you're hitting a wall, mm. and that used to be my kryptonite, right? I could take people to the mountaintop, except if I was meeting with a cynic or a naysayer, it would mm. sort of just take all the air out of my balloon. And uh, I decided I really wanted to get to the bottom of that, sort of shorten the gap. And I've been obsessed now almost 20 years with how to tell the story of innovation and disruption, uh, which is by many measures the hardest story to tell because by definition, you're overstepping. You're doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Uh, It's heretical. You're challenging the status quo. And so the question is, how can you do that in a way that still is a love story, an invitation, uh, in a way where people can receive the gift? Um, so that's that's what gets me excited and turned on. It, it's really powerful because, uh-huh. you know, I, when I first found out about you, it was through one of your YouTube videos. I don't know. Really? If, one of your old YouTube videos. Yeah. Oh, YouTube. man. <laughs> You're still old ones, man. <laughs> back, back, back in my like biblical hair days. <laughs> it was, it was, and but you really did a great job of saying like this is how you know leaders need to con- like completely change the framework for how they think about you know driving there of, of or, or or transforming the landscape of of, of whatever mar- market yeah. they're in. Now I want you to talk a little bit about your most recent book that you just. Yeah. Um, and, and share a little bit about what it was about and, you know, you know, what inspired you to write it now? Because you actually dropped it before COVID-19, but it's even more relevant than ever now. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, I'm getting used to this split split screen here, but the, the book is Story 10X, Turn the Impossible into the Inevitable. Uh, and it's up on Amazon. You can also, um, I recorded the audio book version of it too, if that's how people prefer to learn. And um, yeah, it's it's a book that came out in the fall of 2019, and it's the first book on storytelling for disruption. You know, so there's a lot of buzz around storytelling, yet when it comes to talking about disruption, innovation, uh, there are very few storytelling frameworks that really guide you through that process. So that's what the book breaks down. Uh, it's based on my 20-year journey working deep uh, inside Silicon Valley and with some of the biggest companies of the world. And like, how do you take things that are really complex, technical, hard to explain, um, things that are lost in translation? We do a lot of work in highly regulated uh, and technical industries, um, things that are hard to humanize uh, and bring it to life. Um, and so we've built a lot of different methods and tools in narrative thinking um, and and help unlock the power of narratives for especially heads of product and heads of design that are building the future um, or any other line of business where you need to carry the torch uh, for transformation and um, really be able to get everybody on the same side. Yeah. Tell me, you know, you, you, so you've definitely probably been with some organization. You're like, oh, my goodness, you all are completely out of touch with your customers. You guys aren't telling the right narrative around what you stand for, who you are. You know, I would love for you to share a little bit more about, you know, some clients that you love working with and some clients you probably like, oh, my goodness, it was maybe or and you don't have to name names, but oh, this was just a horrible experience. Yeah, well, let's start. Let's start with the second, the the second one, right? Because we all love the drama. We yeah. all we all love that. And and actually, part of the secret of this work mm. is about meeting people where they're at. Mm. Uh, you know, we're. <sighs> I um, I'll put it this way: you can't influence and judge at the same time. Mm. So. Like we don't we don't do corporate soul retrieval. <laughs> um, I'm not an asshole whisperer. Yeah. Right. So we you know we only like we work with every kind of institution in the world imaginable. Um, and typically we're working with institutions that have some of the greatest power and influence in people's lives. Mm-hmm. By definition, those institutions are going to be misunderstood, mm-hmm. or public sentiment trails the actual reality inside the organization. Or there's a lot of competing narratives as to how people look at who they are and what they do. So, I mean, we've done 
a lot of work inside Facebook. Uh, we've been a partner for them for almost six years now and have worked with 12 different product and design teams. We've done work with Uber, with Walmart. Uh, we do work in biotech and, and pharma. We love companies that are um, misunderstood, uh, underestimated, lost in translation. And it starts from the place of suspending judgment. You have to fundamentally believe in the inherent value of a product or service. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, if if that's not there, if there's not a, a if there's not a story worth telling, mm-hmm. or something to believe in, we just won't engage. Um, and then we also have to believe in our client sponsor that we can effectively that they're ready to partner, um, because story or narrative is incredibly personal. It's incredibly intimate. Um, it's not something you can just outsource. It's like going to the gym and hiring a trainer, asking your trainer to do the reps for you, and then you're disappointed in the results. Wow. Right? So anyways, I, I, so we don't, we don't have bad clients. Yeah, and yeah. any drama that happens in a client engagement, actually, uh, we are co-creating that. Um, it's usually it's usually because of our less than stellar contracting, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, where's the camera here? Less than stellar contracting yeah. um, in the Peter Block sort of way, where every client conversation is a contracting conversation. Right, like, what's the container of the relationship? How are you managing mutual expectations? How are you maintaining trust and partnership? All of those kinds of things, um, and and then also recognizing at the end of the day, you know, we fac- facilitate and support transformation. Mm. Again, you can't outsource transformation. So at the end of the day, we're not responsible for the organizational transformation. But we are here to help accelerate the velocity of that transformation and accelerate helping a team really understand who they are, what's the higher truth, how to contextualize that uh, to the business objectives, to the cultural context, things like that, um, and, and help, help them feel more aligned and have greater confidence in what's the future that they want to build. Man, you know, I, I think every company needs a bit of chocolate th- thunder. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the storytelling, especially in times like this, how do you, you know, I would love to get your thoughts, you know, because there's yeah. a lot of news. I think we, we've seen kind of this shift around a lot of customers now valuing their security, their privacy, and a lot of people really valuing trust in businesses and also in leaders, you know, yeah. you're a leader, uh, Michael, you know, what have been some of the things that have been tried and true for you in terms of what storytelling can evoke, right? Really being kind of true to your narrative and, and, and leading uh, with it. Yeah. Well, so I'm thinking about a client session we had earlier today. Uh, and this is a company that is a challenger brand that is in the, the document uh, sort of the document stack, sort of broader world, right? You know, there's document creation, there's document storage, there's document productivity. So we'll just say they're just in that space doing really interesting things. They're growing really fast. And they're one of the things that we looked at, though, and they go up against two of the biggest name brand enterprises in the world um, that have great brand recognition. And you can't compete on benefits and features. Mm. Right. Um, and it's true of any company. Right. Because, you know, I mean, to, uh, case in point, think of, uh, say, Snapchat. Right. And like, oh, you come up with something really cool. Great. Facebook copy stories. Right. Like or Instagram copy stories. Like any feature can be copied really quickly and, you know, by in the technology world. So, yes, you need to speak to your functional value. But really, what you need is something that's more durable and differentiated. And you need to then look at what's the aspirational value and the emotional value that's at the heart of your product. Mm. And, and, and go from that perspective. There's a lot written these days about a challenger sale, right? Like being a challenger brand and that the challenger sale approach is the only way you cut through the noise. And this is what we spent a lot of time looking at. So if you're a challenger brand... The only way to really succeed is by 
talking to people from the following perspective. We see the world differently, Mm. right? The world is changing. Here are the opportunities and the possibilities that come with these changes. This is really exciting, right? And you need to be an evangelist about that future in ways that make people go, huh, wait, whoa, hold on a second. I never... I never thought about it that way. This is interesting. This is intriguing. I'm leaning in, right? Capture people's imagination and then uh, spend time really establishing empathy and having people self-identify that you understand the inherent desires and the dilemmas. Like what's the conflict or the obstacle at the heart of the story? And then lastly, presenting the facts and the evidence, the reasons to believe. Um, so this is actually the, the pro, like the, the actual methodology is in, forgive the product placement here, but yeah, it's in the book. And um, in Story 10X. It is. Um, you have to see it. See, anytime you're dealing with disruptive innovation, you have to see it and you have to feel it before you can believe it. Yeah. And instead in business, we've all been taught to lead with data and conclusions, which is yeah. the believe it part. And so this is why people often, you know, come up against or, or start to question uh, the message of whatever we're trying to sell them. You know, it's so powerful because it's it's so surprising to me how many companies still don't do um, what you've literally published. And, yeah. and, you know, you make it you make it sound easy, <laughs> but you also make it feel easy too when you work with them. Yeah. I think what's so powerful, Michael, and I would love to get your thoughts on this is like, what do you think in the next, you know, seven to 10 years would be potentially the most disruptive technology or shift we're seeing in terms of humanity and mankind that, that you're really excited about? Mm. What a great question. I'm going to, can I turn, I'm going to, my answer is going to turn it on its head yeah. to say the, to, to answer it two ways. Um, because I think we're going to continue to see uh, technology uh, accelerate the pace of human development um, mm. and changes in our society. And, and as the saying goes, um, technology moves faster than society's ability to use it intelligently. Wow. Okay. Right. Um, I forget who somebody originally said that some some somebody far more famous and smart and important than me. Um, but so we're always going to have that pressure. So I think there's two there are two things that are on my mind around that. Um, by the way, I like the wide view. That's cool. Um, <laughs> so um, number one, um, see what here's the, here's what I think is often going on is that things are moving so fast we do not know what story we're in anymore. And technology only accelerates that cycle. Things keep moving faster and faster and faster. Culture used to move at the speed of glaciers. Now culture moves at the speed of 140 characters. And you see this, this disruption happening in every quadrant and sector of life. So with that, I always like to uh, get back to first principles. And I also ask myself, like, we tend to lose the plot, Right. If if all we're doing is reading our social media streams and paying attention to the news, I promise you, you're losing the plot, the bigger picture of what's really going on. Yeah. So, so I've got two root diagnoses that guide my work and mission in in you know of what I'm here to do and, and support. So, one, your question: What's going to define the next five or ten years? Yeah. Representative governance. Wow. Dive deep on it. What does that mean? Yeah, so I know that's a geeky concept, but if you look at every crisis that we have right now, whether that is in our national politics, whether that is about the role and in influence of, of Facebook and Apple and Amazon and Microsoft, whether that is um, everything from um, AI to blockchain to like the ethics of every aspect of technology, these are questions about governance and specifically representative governance, mm. right? Like who has a voice in the process of the decisions that are being made that impact society? Mm. And what are the principles and the values that guide that decision-making? Wow. Right? And, there's a, there's, and that's the fundamental crisis of faith that we certainly in our country are going through right now. And part of it is that technology is disrupting the traditional forms and cycles of governance, right? Like we look to our elected officials to come up with new rules of the game for how technology companies should be operating. And the reality is that 
that that that our our elected officials don't have the capacity. It's not in their training to understand the nuances, whether it's net neutrality, uh, whether you know, or whether it's uh, you know, whether whether some of these some of the big tech platforms should be regulated in some way, whether it's fair speech, all of these things. Um, and we as a public, we don't know who to trust and what to believe. And it comes down to governance. Um, so, so that's number one. Um, and then number two is that leadership is communications. Oh, dive deep on that, brother. Tell me more. Well, so leadership literally is an act of communications. Every mm. single thing you're going to be judged by as a leader are the things that you communicate, how you communicate them, to whom you can communicate them, and when you communicate them. Wow. Right? And so if that's the defining measure of leadership, the question then becomes, well, you as a leader, where are you learning this skill set? Where and how are you building the stack for effective leadership communications? And the reality is that most leaders will go, oh, well, I, I've read a couple books or, you know, there's some cool things I studied in college around philosophy, you know, or in my case, I'm a cultural anthropologist. It's like, we all have these different influences, but very few of us have had formal training in building this muscle of leadership communications. Whatever curriculum people have studied, it's usually 10, 20, 30, or 50 years old, right? But if you look at most conflict in the world is predicated in a communication breakdown. Yeah. Right. Um, and so these are the two places. These are two of the key dials by which I think is how we build and rebuild the future is how we reimagine what can be. Um, and it's it's building the really understanding narrative intelligence and building that language of, you know, the rhetoric of how do we create more of the future we all want and then understanding governance, um, even the governance of community. So like, for instance, we've done a lot of work with, as I mentioned, with Facebook. A lot of our foundational work there was working with, with the head of Facebook groups and, and looking at the structure of belonging in the digital age, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the most powerful things, Lola, speaking of which, uh, one, of, <laughs> one of the most prolific forces uh, in the universe and right. of Facebook groups is Lola Omolola, who's, uh, who, who's joining us here on chat, uh, who, uh, who runs Finn, Female in Nigeria, one of the most incredible social movements on the internet that all is driven by the power of being able to tell one story. Um, but the, the secret to what Lola does with Finn and the secret to any truly sustaining community is governance. What are the rules? What is acceptable behavior? What's not acceptable behavior? What are the norms? What creates the container of safety? What are the limits? And when people step past those limits, what are the self-regulating mechanisms, right, for how people are taken care of? Um, and we can think about that in something as simple as like an online Facebook group or online forum, all the way to our current politics. Right. And, and again, this idea of the norms of behavior, the boundaries and the limits of what's acceptable and not acceptable. And um, it's that space that I'm obsessed with, because as a disruptor, we're literally pushing the boundaries of limits. Mm. And then the balance is if you want something to be sustainable and scalable, you better redefine some boundaries and limits of what people can trust and how you're actually caring for like fundamental social contract. Like what's the promise of your brand or of your product in people's lives? Wow. Sorry, that was a long rambling answer. No, but it was so powerful. So you think it's re representative governance and fundamentally really equipping leaders to, to be ready to understand the, the, the essence of communication, especially as we're only moving towards more dynamic times. Like, so how to do it, when to do it, where to do it, and how to do it consistently too. Yeah, let me ask, let me, let me phrase it this way. Um, do leaders have to have faith in the future? My opinion would be yes. Okay, if a leader does not have faith in the future, do they belong in the seat of leadership? Yes. Some, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I believe most leaders actually do have some kind of enduring faith in the future. Like they want to make things better for their people, whoever they're responsible for. Yeah. That said, if you look at the actual story 
that most leaders are telling about the future. It's not a story about enduring faith. Most of the story that our leaders tell is about what's wrong, what's broken, what needs to be fixed. Mm. It's a story that actually rejects and denigrates the world as it is instead of celebrating what's right and what's possible. So that one fundamental reframe, and there's a lot of different techniques that we teach in the book and through our work, but it's, it's recalibrating our rhetoric that we have to start with talking about what's possible, what are the possibilities, right, instead of starting with what are the problems. Mm. Because one is inherently scalable and, 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 and emergent as an invitation, whereas if we start with the problems, um, we tend to put people on the defensive. We tend to shut down that conversation. Mm. Man, you know, it's, 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 it's always inspiring just learning from you and, and watching you do what you do. And more importantly, you all need to go get Story 10X. <laughs> get Story 10X. You know, you're talking to the man himself, Michael, right now. And if you were just listening to anything he says, you already know the book is just fire. So make sure you go get the book. Michael, man, what is one your powerful takeaway for our God community on how they can lead with story, lead with possibility, my brother? Well, mm, sorry, hold on a second. I'm chocolatizing here. Mm. Damn. Michael loves chocolate, y'all. So in case you're wondering, this this I call this my Willy Wonka Everlasting Gobstopper Bar. It's a 70% porcelana from Venezuela. It's made by WM Chocolate. And it opens with a tasting note of cafeteria chocolate milk. And then it moves into tropical fruit. And then it's got a windy river that ends up in melon and raisin with a full stop dry finish. And that's just a revelation. So sorry. And I haven't tasted this in a while. Just always makes me stop in my tracks. Okay. But back to, back to the subject at hand. Um, So look, one of the things I love about, about you, Tim, and your community here at Guide, um, you know, so much of what you do is about inspiring and empowering uh, anyone who is early in their career to understand um, that we have the power to create Right, and that we have the power to share our voice, and we have the power to live into our dreams. And so, from that perspective, what I would share with everybody is that storytelling is the number one most important skill mm. that will determine your future, hands mm. down. Um, when you go to a job interview, when you're trying to raise money, uh, when you're trying to uh, fall in love and you're on an online dating website, like every single interaction that we're having is about telling our story. And um, what, I would, what I would sort of bring it back to is one simple principle is that character trumps credentials. Okay. So there's a thousand uh, product managers in the world frankly, probably a million, right? There's uh, hundreds, if not thousands of cultural anthropologists, like pick a profession or trade, right? There are lots of other people that have the same training or credentials that we have, right? So how do we stand out? The way you're going to stand out is by owning your story. And what people want to know is what made you, Hmm. right? How do you see the world? What has shaped and defined you? And speaking to a little bit more of that background and color, um, people want to know what makes you tick. Hmm. Um, And that's the piece. um, The more you can talk into um, sort of the story of who who you're born to be, Hmm. right? That is what I call natural authority, right? Hmm. So, uh, right, like I was... um, my father is a, is a mad scientist and inventor. My mom is a teacher, artist, and toy designer. Oh. Right? So creativity, innovation, that part always came easy. But I grew up all across the world. I'm a, what they call a third culture kid. So much of my life experience was being a fish out of water, lost in translation. Right? So it's no accident, like the path that I've chosen, the work that I do, Right, I am the mutant love child of my two parents. Like they're amazing at the creativity and innovation part, but they've struggled, 
right? They've had many failures and, and some successes, but many failures in bringing their visions into reality, right? How do you translate something that's disruptive into cultural acceptance? So that's my mission, wow. right? It makes total sense. And then coming of age in the internet economy where every single one of us as creators, every single one of us that has an idea or a vision, we live or die on our ability to articulate it, to humanize it, to paint that picture, to get others to see what we see. Um, and um, yeah, and it's, it's especially tough to tell an inclusive story when you feel like an outsider. Wow. And so that's, that's chapter two of the book, how to go from <laughs> outsider to insider. Um, because that's, that's often one of the places we tend to self-sabotage. Those of us who see the world differently, who are like, this could be so much better, right? Like it's so easy. We could, you and I could spend, you know, an hour talking about everything that's wrong in the world, mm. right? Any of us who are trying to make things better, we see what's wrong, and it's so tempting to just beat the drum of what's wrong instead of being able to actually celebrate what's right. Um, and then from that place, capture people's imagination and curiosity and, and shared alignment. And then have the – it's from that place we can then find the will and the commitment to address what stands in the way. Um, so again, all of this is very philosophical. The book has lots of use case examples and breaks it all down. Um, but I do believe that it's that the building our our muscles, philosophical muscles, and in, in understanding the first principles of rhetoric and how the stories we tell literally make the world is such an important muscle to be building um, as a leader and as an entrepreneur, no matter where you are in your career, because the you're going to be judged less and less. Like if you're an individual contributor right now, as you move forward in your career, you're going to be judged less and less on your technical competencies. And you're going to be judged more and more on your ability to inspire and influence your communication skills. Right. Um, and it's all the stuff that we're talking about. So y'all got to go cop Chocolate Thunder's Story 10X book. Michael, man, it's always a pleasure having you on and speaking. Yeah, it is. Are you going to come back to the show, brother? Anytime. Are you kidding? An ex any excuse to spend time with Tim Salau. I think you are. See, everything we talked about is in the fabric of your being. Um, right? And um, you are uh, an op. You're an optimism generator and an opportunity generator. And it's because you connect the dots and because you celebrate the feast of goodness in people and in the times that we're in and the things that we like, how do we like marshal our, our creative forces um, in creating more of the future that we want. So yeah. Any, anytime spending time with you, Tim is, is good time spent. In my book. Hey, Michael, you know, if the storytelling thing doesn't work out, you could be a great motivational speaker. <laughs> oh. Well, Tim, man, right back at you. <laughs> Straight to the mountaintop and back. Oh, appreciate you, brother, man. Talk to you Always. soon, man. Lots of love. Peace, man. Lots of love, bro. <laughs> and that was the amazing Michael Margolis. Please make sure to go cop his book, Story 10X. So the next person I actually have as a guest to cap out this evening episode. And much love to Mrs. Lola Omalola, who has been tuned in, jazzed up, listening to Michael and our episode. Shout out if you're tuning in and listening from Oakland. Much love to Oakland. Please stay safe and healthy. Once again, rest in peace to the late, great Chad Bozeman. Man, I miss that guy. I miss that guy. What an icon. What, a, what an icon. And I want to show love because the next person, he's probably going to be a rising icon and a legend in, in, in the next few years. Man, I've been following this young cat for quite some time on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm always in his DMs just trying to get what's the free game? What's happening in the streets? This guy is amazing, man. He's a young rock star, still in college. He's starting multiple businesses, has his own personal brand. I mean, he's an influencer beyond. So we're going to actually be talking to the amazing Tanaka Tava, who is on right now. Tanaka, yeah. what's up, man? Oh, dude, Tim, bro, I'm humbled, man. I'm so <laughs> humbled. Like, that is the CEO of Tava Multimedia, man. What's up, bro? Dude, I just, I'm freaking out right now. I'm not, I'm not even going to lie. I'm freaking what's out right now. I'm so 
humbled and honored to be a part of your show. Um, I followed you last semester and I listened to your podcast, like, you know, Future of Work. And I've just been so, man, just seeing your work and just seeing how you are impacting so many people with guide and, you know, your products and your stuff and how you're just like such a connector. That, that's the one thing that really like, man, that really drove me to your page. And I'm like, man, this guy, he sees it. He sees it. Like, I'm not crazy. I'm not the only crazy one. Okay. <laughs> nah, we see it, man. We see the future, man. We'd love for you to share a little bit more about, you know, your multimedia company, man. How long you've been building it, brother? Wow, man, dude. I honestly started in May, uh, May 22nd of 2020. That's wow. when I started Tava Multimedia Group. Um, that I honestly started in my closet um, at home. I was on the phone with one of my great friends, Raymond Williams. And we, we listened to Earn Your Leisure. Uh, we, we love those guys. And yeah. I, I wanted to take the next step of my whole goal was to have a, uh, a production company. I've inspired by Nick Cannon, Devon Franklin, Michael B. Jordan, John Bayega, Chadwick Boseman, and so many great, Ava DuVernay, like, you know, so many great artists. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the pandemic, and I realized that um, I, God put, like, uh, gave me a prophecy from, like, this um, pastor. And he said, like, you were going to go into alley of entrepreneurship and your next idea is going to be a big idea. The next idea that came uh, literally two days before my 21st birthday was starting the podcast, really going forward with the podcast. And, yeah. um, like, the week before, I started, you know, I dropped the book. And I, just with everything. And I just realized, oh, shoot, I'm living out my dream right here, right now. Mm. Okay. You might as well just, hey, pay that $350. Get it, state of Texas. Let's get it licensed. LLC. We're starting today because yeah. who knows what's going to happen. And it just started getting bigger and bigger. And just the conversations, the podcast popping. It was shut down. But then guess what? Even after that, I'm starting getting bigger podcasts, like people coming on the show. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you know, the clothing line, the clothing branch did so well during the George Floyd, rest in peace, yeah. um, Big Floyd. You know, there was a surge of a black business. And I, I, I just decided, like, you know what, man? Um, I only got one life, and I got to go yeah. all in. And I got to do all I got. Yeah. Man, that's powerful, man. That's powerful. And, you know, I've been – because I've watched, I've watched the growth, man. And you, he, if you go to his Instagram, he definitely has the videos of when he started his podcast, literally in his closet, doing the thing. You know, I want to ask you, man, how important is it for you as an entrepreneur to, you know, really be – be that hustler, you know, like who, who, who inspired that in you, man, um, early on in your career? Cause you're only 21. Yeah, I'm only 21. And you know, I honestly felt like I've, I've, I've found the entrepreneur bug late to be yeah. honest. Um, yeah. I don't know why, but like, you know, I've had some friends that, you know, went to school with, um, his name is Ishan Goel, started Goel Strategies. Um, you know, like he always like everybody used to make, kind of make fun of him saying, oh, bro, like you're annoying. But like, you know, me, my parents always told me, hey, always be kind, always work hard because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm first animation American. Um, parents are from Zimbabwe. I was born here and my dad is an entrepreneur. My mom, my auntie's an entrepreneur. My mom is, in, is an entrepreneur. And so I've always just always been the, 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 the talk of working hard. And whether it's in sports such as track, basketball, I was always I've always been the hustler. I've always been the one, um, because I was never the biggest or just um, the tallest. But one, I can dunk for like five feet. <laughs> you know, the athlete. But um, I knew that hey, I'm gonna have to do the dirty work. And yeah. I've always been used to like you know going all the way in and just being able to see like, especially my dad. Um, growing up, I used to go to the office with him all the time. I was like, he was always used to drive us around, always tell us about trucks, always tell us about knowledge, always dropping so much game being able to see how he took his tax company from zero all the way to multi-million and same do my auntie studying her um assisted living from zero all the way up to like six seven figures and i'm like whoa i i, I never I, I never thought i was going to be an entrepreneur per se mm. but i always knew i wanted to go to acting do acting and whatever that's always what i've been passionate about but i realized that hey my mom when i was 10 she gave me a book called uh, Produced by Faith by Devon Franklin. Um, And so Devon Franklin has been like a virtual uh, mentor of mine and seeing how he combined faith and combined making movies and um, creativity. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm going to do something. I'm like, I'm going to have my 
own studio one day. I'm going to have this and it's going to be something that's going to be really dope and influential and whatever. Not necessarily famous because I don't want to be famous. You know, I agree with that post with you. Like, man, I just want my peace. But I want to be something that I just want my peace. Yeah. I want to be paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. I, but I want to be impactful. And I know that um, um, it's the idea of generosity and that Maya Angelou quote says, nobody um, will remember what your name is, whatever, but they, you'll always be remembered for how you make them feel. Mm. And whether it's like the content or whatever, like each and every interaction, always about positivity and um, and love, uh, making sure that it's so vital. And so like those are like the key inspirations for like my makeup, my DNA. Wow. Now that's, that's really powerful, man. You're, you're well on your way with, with Taba Multimedia, man. I want to ask, you know, well, we know the late, great Chadwick Boseman has recently passed. You know, was he an inspiration for you um, throughout your journey in terms of as you're becoming this this young mogul, my friend? Uh, <laughs> young mogul. Um, yes, man. Chadwick Boseman. Um, just from like even watching on All My Children. Cause my grandma used to watch so she watches soap opera, uh, soap operas like no other um i've always been fascinated by him and his charisma his um his genuine spirit and his authenticity i think mm-hmm. that the that's one thing i've definitely been wanting to keep um on the forefront is that authenticity because yeah. at the end of the day you realize in, in um and same with Nipsey, it's like the it's the long game. The marathon is you'll be known more for your authenticity, and especially in a game in, in a, entertainment where there's a lot of fakeness, there's a lot of um, fake people, and just even with business too. Like you know, most people will try rather compromise their authenticity and their integrity in order to get a make sure they're looking good, getting that um, big payout. But then at the end of the day, it's all about people, right? And man, Chadwick was so inspirational in playing huge figures. Thurgood Marshall, shout out to the good frat brother. Um, uh, you know, James Brown, Tatala, like man with a range. He had a range. Range. <laughs> Diversity, man. He was definitely a huge inspiration. And he still is. Um yeah. and I hope to have a similar impact. Not 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 globally, but just within my community. Because that's the one thing that my auntie always taught me was like, when you have a fire, your fire is so much more important um, for the people around you rather than the ones over the people that are looking over there. Yeah. Never forget that. That's powerful wisdom, man. Man, let let me ask you, man, because you're in this media space, man. You're killing it. You know, where do you see the future of media going? Because, you know, you're a creator. You're creating your own brand. You have Instagram. You have Twitter. You have your own multimedia company. What are your thoughts or, like, your three kind of foresights on the future of media and how it's changing? Man. My three foresights of media. Yeah. Definitely. um, One. And you know that definitely uh, virtual reality and mm-hmm. AR, um, augmented reality. Virtual and augmented reality is something that is going to play such a heavy role. Um, you know, me, I'm like coming from a neuroscience background. You know, that's what I'm studying in school. And just understanding how you look at Elon and what he's doing with Neuralink. And you're looking at all these companies that are there and how these subscription services. So one, definitely subscription and AI. And if there's somebody that's able to link the two, that is just definitely going to take off like no other, um, because one is just going to continue making people get connected. So I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out the space of like, okay, I'm learning how to code, I'm learning how to what it means to have like some augmented reality. That is one that's going to be very friendly in the mind and health and consciousness, and also that's going to be a representative of the future in the wave. And then the le- the last point I would say the future of media is going to go towards um, um, definitely more personal home. Home. like COVID was it was the switch and how like yeah. even like you see like AMC with the mortar going down and it's like yeah. oh shoot everything is coming home so everything I remember growing up always like you know wondering how come movie th- movies the movies in the movie theater aren't going to come home and then you see like video like straight home direct to home and they were kind of be like the off-brand or the, the movies <laughs> that yeah. too hot the spinoffs like the lion king 2 and it's like mm. oh straight to like uh, video on demand but no like augmented reality 
um, conscious content, uh, video, like, you know, straight home to demand. Those things are going to definitely change the landscape of media. And it's already happening because we can literally get media from any point of view. It's not, you don't have to be the movie theater. People were bootlegging, but now you don't even need to bootleg. You just need to yeah. subscription yeah. service. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's so crazy. Like, Bella Thorne with OnlyFans? Bro. <laughs> raise two million off of just what like just saying oh i'm gonna do this but like see it's like that content and seeing like oh shoot if you're able to get a fan base and a tribe that's like to get together that is going to walk with you that's going to take you so much further you don't need to sign you you don't need to wait for some big company to give you a contract you can start today Mm -hmm. and you don't know like you're in your influence and you just getting on tiktok getting on ig getting on that creating that community that people that are going to walk with you and authentically for you you don't need to sell your soul to some big contract company, like Prince was saying. You know? Yeah, yeah that's actually powerful, man. So you're seeing there, it's, it's becoming more democratized, and more importantly, VR and augmented reality are going to be kind of in-home entertainment formats that everyone is going to eventually start using a lot more often. Right. Right. Oh, it's wow. powerful, man. That's powerful. And, and you, so, you, so you're probably going to you're going to try to take. I'm saying five. <laughs> you said what? I said I thought it was gonna take five, ten, most likely five. Five, yeah, yeah. Five. So, so multimedia, so top of multimedia is probably gonna be AR and in, in, in AR and VR, in like probably the next one or two years. <laughs> well, <laughs> find this uh, let me see after I graduate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, dude, it, it's amazing, man. We'd love for you to kind of share a little bit about, you know, where can our amazing guy community follow your movement, man, that, that you're building, man, because you're doing so much. And, you know, how can, you know, people who want to get entrepreneurial, what can they do to start? Because, you know, you have this energy and spirit about you that allows you to be proactive, given your background. But there are people who, you know, they don't know where to start. What would you tell them in terms of to help them get started and becoming entrepreneurial and really going after it? Yeah. Um, well, where people can find me, yo, like literally my name, Tanaka Taba, T-A-N-A-K-A-T-A-V-A, all platforms. You know, um, John Henry Style, he said I have a great TV name, so I might be on TV within the next three years. I, I guarantee it. <laughs> um, so you can find that all that on social media. But where people can find that entrepreneurial spirit is honestly as cheesy as it sounds. Hmm. like go after your passion like that's it and like see not everybody is not everybody is meant to be a great entrepreneur i was listening to gerard adams saying that hmm. but it's like if you go after what you're passionate about and i know there's gonna be people people say oh i'm not i'm not sure what you're passionate about it's like yo look at what you're good at look at the things that you enjoy and if you're able to find that you don't you, you don't even realize that one people will buy from you not because like you know you're trying to get rich, but because they believe in they believe in you, they believe mm. in your vision, they believe in who you are. Like you are a brand, like who you represent. You know, people actually believe in you more. And people are watching. My boy Caleb Mulligetta, he told me people are watching. You may not seem like it, but people are watching the way that you move and how you just carry yourself. And if you go after what you're passionate about, and you just say, "Hey, I want to start a T-shirt line. Um, let's do it." Somebody be like, hey, man, I really see it. I really appreciate it. Here, I'm going to buy this. Not because of the shirt, but because of you. So it's mm. really digging more into, like, who am I? What do I can? What can I? What do I uh, do I bring to the table? Because the thing is, the marketplace said, oh, you you know, everybody just needs to work for some big company and whatever. But now we're seeing the wave of independence and mm. a wave of just a reawakening and of, like, and more compassion and empathy and leadership in, in a way that is a more holistic and honestly, we're taking more of, I really see on my generation, Generation Z, and same, same with Millennial, going leaning into more of the Eastern philosophy of the yin and the yang and how we're going to continue to move like water and Bruce Lee. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's in that sense of individuality and creativity, but also like us finding our passions and what we can bring to the table because there's a marketplace for everyone. Wow. That's so powerful, man. That's, that's a lot of wisdom, Tanaka. That's a lot of wisdom from a young cat, man. And it's really inspiring to see you move and rise, man. Please make sure God community follow this man and his movement with Tava Multimedia. He's on Twitter, he's on LinkedIn, and he's on Instagram. Awesome, awesome guy to watch on Instagram. One of my favorites, man. Tanaka, man, it's truly not a man. We need to have you on on a future episode. Maybe when you start launching the VR, AR uh, uh, episode. <laughs> 
What do you think, brother? Yes, sir, man. Oh, man, I just want to say, man, I'm just, I'm grateful that you even, like, thought of having me, man. Like, I was like, me on the beats and beat jam? I'll be too. We the hottest jam session in the world, man. I had we had to have you on, man. We love the way you're moving, and also check out he's he's had a lot of different. You've been doing a lot of different media interviews too, so please check it out on his um on his Instagram. This guy's getting he's check him out before he blows up. That's what that's why I encourage y'all to do, man. That's why I encourage y'all to do, man. But Tonic, it was truly an honor having you on the show today, brother. Thank you so much, man. Oh man, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for inspiring me, bro. You really do. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, man. Talk to you soon, brother. Yes, sir. Be well, man. Be well. Be great. Yes, sir. <laughs> and that is it, man. Shout out to the young boy, Tanaka Tava, man. That guy is killing it. Make sure you check out his movement that he's leading with his own multimedia company, only at the age of 21 years old. Only 21 years old. It's wild, but, you know, it's 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 the opportunity um, these days, right? It's completely ripe. You know, you can do whatever you put your mind to if you're an entrepreneur, if you're an entrepreneur, if you believe in yourself. And more importantly, if you are relentless and know that you, you know, you have the world is waiting for you. So shout out to Mr. Tony Katava, who is killing it. And shout out to my homeboy, Michael Margolis, who joined us earlier. Man, that guy is amazing. Make sure you check out Story 10X. And once again, thank you so much for your attention and tuning in. Much love to Oakley if you are in the building and tuning in. Please take care. Stay safe. If you aren't tuning in from Oakland, stay safe as well and stay loved up. Love on each other, love on your community, and love within yourself. And most importantly, check out guideapp.co right over here, right here. here. Uh, 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 uh. Okay, okay. I, I, compl- I continue to miss it. But check out guideapp.co. Check out our guideapp.co movement. We continue to go guns and blazing. Our customers are incredibly happy. Our creators are killing it. But more importantly, we want you to be a part of our movement. So check out our guideapp.co waitlist. Join the waitlist. Join the movement. And we might bump you up if you refer to somebody. All right. If you refer us to somebody, we just might bump you up on the waitlist. So definitely check it out and become part of our movement with us. Realize that our platform is your platform. But more importantly, we want you to lead your movement with us. With that said, thank you so much for tuning in to this special Tuesday, September 1st evening episode of Unleashing the Future Work, the guy live B2B, the hottest B2B jam session in the world. Thank you so much for joining us. And as always, talk to you soon. Peace, love, and abundance. All right, y'all. Much love.